Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom He died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the Scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the Word of God regardless of who gets offended or not. In Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Recently, I was persecuted by a fellow that was highly offended that my Christianity was fervent. He got enough of that and got upset. And I just had to wonder as I walked away from that conversation, actually several conversations, this guy was a new quote-unquote friend of mine. I have to wonder, first of all, the, the man took offense of the fervency that disturbed his lukewarm disposition and position. And as I walked away in the days ensuing, I, I had to wonder, who is it that taught this man that Christianity is a circus or is a retirement place or a place of fun and games. I just don't understand where this came from scripturally because it didn't come scripturally. It came from the wolves that he has been nurtured under, if you will, nurtured into a position of lukewarmness, if in fact he's even ever been born again. I have my doubts about that also. Now, he happens to go to a mega church, the pastor of which is a motivational speaker, literally, travels on a circuit, has been for years, and yet he's a pastor, but it's the same message. It's just a motivational message, which, you know, might as well be humanism, paganism, new age, spirit, you know, anything for the worship of self, because that's what it's all about. When Christ isn't being magnified, then self is being magnified. The Christian life is one of self-denial and crying out with John the Baptist that he must increase and I must decrease. And when God is increasing in us and we are participating in the day Daily cross by choosing to daily decrease, denying ourselves, taking up a cross and following him, then there's going to be a fervency. There's going to be the light and the love and the truth of Jesus Christ teeming in us. It cannot be any other way. If that is not the manifest fruit of our daily lives, it's because we are lukewarm. If we, I'm talking to those that have truly been born again in the past. We have drifted off. We have become like the five foolish virgins who will be shut out of the eternal kingdom of God because we have not remained in fellowship with the Lord. Abiding fellowship, as Jesus said, was essential in order to prevent being cast into the fire. Now, this isn't going to happen by self-effort by strictly trying to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and do a better job and quote-unquote be a better Christian and stuff like that. No, it's going to come from a fresh, present surrender in repentance, turning back to the Lord and asking Him to forgive us for not having Him first in our life and for having other gods before Him. That's how the axe is laid to the root, is by laying down our lives. When we do, God is going to reciprocate by picking us up and raising us up, quickening us by His Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will also quicken our mortal body. Romans chapter 
8 verse 11. Listen to the Christian life as Paul enumerates it to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to begin in verse 16. He says this, this we could call a truth rant, a divinely inspired truth rant. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. I love that. Remember Paul said in Philippians 4, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice always, right? Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. You see, prayer is to the spiritual life what breathing is to the physical life. If you stop breathing physically, you die. If you stop praying, you're going to die spiritually. There's absolutely, that's a certainty. That's an absolute. There's absolutely no way that you're going to stay alive in Christ and not fellowship with him. And if you die outside of fellowship with Christ, you're not going to heaven. You will go to hell. And that's Somebody said, well, that's a, you're teaching works. Well, I'm teaching what the Bible says. And faith worketh by love. You see, do you love the Lord or do you love self? If you're not praying, it's because you love self. If you're not praying without ceasing, because it's because you love self more than the Lord. We have to be honest about this situation. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. It's so important to be overt and aggressive and assertive about our thanksgiving. In Romans 1, we see one of the reasons why a people or a person backslides and becomes apostate is due to the fact that they were, quote, unthankful, unquote, unthankful. They became unthankful, Paul said. This is not a thing that we should be taking casual at all, but to fervently give thanks to the Lord, to throw our hands up to heaven and open our hearts and our mouths and give him thanks for everything that he's done. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, James 1.17. We should daily have a little bit of a praise and a thanksgiving festival for what God has done to redeem us by sending his only begotten son to die on a cross and be the propitiation for our sins. The only reason why you and I have been brought to God and become part of his family. We are to be ever grateful for the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ that brought us to the Father. And it's through that sacrifice where his blood has been sprinkled in heaven that we come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need as a Christian. Grace, divine enablement he gives us as we come unto him and mercy for any sin we may have committed. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Despise not prophesyings. There's a lot of false prophecy out there, but the Bible says don't despise prophesyings. God uses them. That's a gift of the Spirit. Just be careful. Discern. Look what he says in the next statement. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all or test all things. Hold fast that which is good. So in verse, let's see, we're continuing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to go down through the rant again, beginning in verse 16. Rejoice evermore. See, the joy of the Lord is your strength, beloved. And he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. If you're of a merry heart, you have the joy of the Lord in your heart. And you have a continual feast. No matter what's going on in your life, you still have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. I believe that's Nehemiah 8.10. So how do you have a continual feast? Well, you got to have a merry heart. How do you have a merry heart? Well, you stay in fellowship with the Lord. And through fellowship with the Lord, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is produced in your life. And one of those fruits is what? Love, joy, 
peace. That's the first three of the nine. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 are those fruits being produced in your life, beloved. Do you have the joy of the Lord? Do you have the joy of the Lord? Jesus tells us that in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. When you're doing the will of the Father, and then he talks about beat the judgment in the next two verses. When you're doing the will of the Father, you're ready to meet the Lord. You're walking in fellowship with him. Your first order of duty, if you will, is to abide in responsibility, to abide in Christ. And when you're abiding in Christ, the joy of the Lord is resident in your heart and in your life. I don't know about you, but I like to daily litmus test using scripture, my own personal life and fellowship with the Lord. If I don't have the joy of the Lord in my life, why not? Am I, have I become lukewarm and am I in jeopardy of being spewed out of his mouth? A lot of folks don't like this responsibility. They want to make up their own little religion and call it Christianity. They want to cowardly in cowardice, I should say, migrate to doctrines like Calvinism, which is not Christianity at all or whatsoever. It's completely counterfeit. They want the ease. They want to be at ease in Zion. But the Bible says, woe unto them that are ease in Zion. Woe. God pronounces a curse upon those that are at ease in Zion. It's a severe warning. Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. Those who believe they're children of God and have been bought by the blood and yet have uh, betrayed the Lord by living now unto themselves and not unto Christ. Jesus says that they are going to be spewed out of his mouth. He is going to reject them. Now, if you want to argue with the Son of God, go right ahead. It's very clear and self-evident what he meant there, that if you're not on fire for the Lord, you're in jeopardy of losing your soul. Why? Because you love yourself more than you love God. You love self more than you love God. You're serving self. And Paul wrote, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. If you loved the Lord, you would be setting yourself aside and serving him. We must become honest and biblical in assessing our true state to examine ourselves to see whether or not we're truly in the faith. Second Corinthians 13, 5. Again, the truth rant of Paul, if you will, and forgive me if that's not an appropriate way to put this. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing, verse 17 says. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and reading down. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove or test all things. Hold fast that which is good. Put everything to the test. My friend Steve called this morning and he was talking about how the Lord is really working in his life and how he used to receive Christian correspondence from ministries and this guy is really hungry for more of the Lord. And he would read certain things and just drink them in and take them at face value because after all, it's from a Christian ministry. But now he quoted this verse and, you know, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. In other words, put everything to the test and only retain that which is good and of God and according to Holy Scripture. He was talking, Steve, this morning on the phone about about how God is teaching him to not just take everything from a Christian ministry at face value, but to test it against the Word of God. And it's a beautiful thing to see him doing that, just like the Bereans did. They 
heard what Paul taught, Acts 17, 11, and God said they were noble. They were more noble. Why? Because when they heard Paul teach, they took out the scriptures daily and they searched the scriptures to see whether or not those things were so. Verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. He will do it. He will preserve us blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's one of the prayers that been led, I believe, by the Spirit to pray, according to Scripture, is that God would preserve my soul unto everlasting life, all the way to the end. Jesus said you must endure to the end to be saved. Well, brother, that sounds like a work. Yeah, well, the one who did the work of redemption, Jesus Christ, that justifies us, requires that we endure to the end to be saved. If you want to argue with him, go right ahead. I'm not going to join you. Jesus said to his own 12, only those that endure to the end. He that endured to the end, the same shall be saved. We have so many warnings to remain in fellowship with God and those that go back into sin after being saved. It were worse for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment, Second Peter 2. So if you want to sin away your day of grace, all the while believing that you're somehow, you know, one of the elect who's going to automatically persevere or you're once saved, always say, you go right ahead. I can tell you this, that there are millions in hell who bought that lie from Satan that's being sold and packaged as a Christian system of theology. It's absolutely could not be more of an abomination in the eyes of God. Our book, Lie of the Ages, thoroughly explores Calvinism and compares it to the message of Holy Scripture. I would venture to say that all of us have been, even though we're not Calvinist, most people, or many. We've all been tainted by the evil leaven of the Calvinists because most national ministries, if you will, I say most, most of them on the radio are Calvinists. You know, John MacArthur, staunch Calvinist. Charles Stanley, staunch Calvinist. Chuck Swindoll, staunch Calvinist. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. And Satan's goal is to get you to take God lightly, to treat God lightly, to become Luke warm so that you're spewed out of the mouth of Jesus. Revelation 3, 15 and 16. So he has planted his tares who are in places of positions of teaching and they sow most of the stuff they say is good. Actually, that's what makes it all the more dangerous. That little poison, that little arsenic that they throw in there once per sermon or twice per sermon or two is enough to kill you. Rat poisoning is about 98, 99% good cornmeal. But it's that little percentage of poison that kills the rat. Beware, beloved, beware. The Bible says that we're to be fervent in spirit. And before we leave 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, let me say this. God is going to sanctify us wholly, spirit, soul, and body. And he's going to continue to do that good work in us as we read in verse 23 and 24. But that's as we abide in Christ. We participate with Christ every day according to the rules of the game, if you will, as Paul used the analogy in 1 Corinthians 9, about 16 through 22. If any man strive, let him strive lawfully, 2 Timothy 2, 3. You got to strive lawfully according to the rules of the game, if you will, according to God's prescription, not man's or not somebody else's theology, but strive according to the Lord's prescription. And what is that? Well, we just read some of it, beginning in verse 16. To rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophesying. Test all things. Don't be deceived 
deceived, abstain from all appearance of evil. There are some conditions there. I know that there are folks that highly get highly offended. They've been so intoxicated with these doctrines of the filthy, evil heretic of all heretics, John Calvin, through his modern day wolves that he has set forth, a whole generation upon generation after his 16th century life. He has set forth a whole slew, a brood of vipers who are teaching this stuff, and their people are basically at ease in Zion, and I've never seen a fervent Calvinist. Why be fervent? You're one saved, always if You're one of that special elect. Oh yeah, baby. God only chose you. He didn't choose everybody. He chose just some, and you happen to be one of those privileged people. That's not the God of Scripture at all. Jesus said when he was going to go to the cross that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. If Jesus is going to draw a man unto him, it's because he wants to save that man. The only difference in the elect and the those that aren't elect is those who elect to say, yes, Lord, I repent and I receive Christ. John 1.12. That's the difference between the chosen and the elect. Those who choose to obey the Lord, to hearken to his voice when he draws them. We all have that choice. Now, in Romans chapter 12 is another rant, if you will. I've never called it that before, these passages, but, and forgive me if that's not a holy term. It's where Paul lists several things that we are to be doing as believers. And Romans 12 is one of them. And 1 Thessalonians 5, which we just read, is another one. Let love, he says in verse 9 of Romans 12, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, hate that which is evil, in other words, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affection one to another in with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business. In other words, we ought to be the best employees if we work for someone that there are. The light of Christ should shine through what we do and how we stay busy and we do the most conscientious job with courteousness and kindness and the wisdom of God and humility if we mess up, etc. And with uh, fervency, being a student of the person we work for and of the business industry that we're involved in to exemplify excellence so that men see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven as we let the light of Christ shine, Matthew 5, 16. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. You know what that means in the Greek? Fervent in spirit. That means maintaining zeal to the boiling point. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And that's how you serve the Lord. You're fervent in spirit. You've been born again. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. And that's why it highly disturbs me, and I know it disturbs many of you, that this fella and many people, this fella that confronted me and was upset with me because I was ministering to him, he got highly offended that I was fervent in spirit and feared the Lord. He did not want that. He did not want to have to feel like he has any personal responsibility. He just liked the fun and games of giving his money to this mega church pastor who just built a 15 or $20 million building, all for the glory of self. I'm sorry. It's just so obvious in this case. I'm not going to name the particular church, but it's absolutely to joke. I mean, I'm sorry. The guy is not preaching the word, but he's good enough at what he does to get people to 
give money by the millions. And this guy was one of them who gave large sums of money. Anyway, if he's even saved, he said he's received Christ. But now, I mean, I would really doubt where his position is with the Lord because there's no scripture, there's no truth, there's no desire for it. And he's in a place of being lukewarm. And he's highly upset at somebody, another Christian who is walking in the fear of the Lord. We've got to walk in the fear of the Lord, friend. If you want to do a study, you're looking for some direction in the Word. I want to encourage you to look up every time the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord. Just go into your Strong's Concordance or look them all up online and write them all down on an index card and begin to memorize them. It will change your life. Psalms chapter 2 verse 12, for example, says, Serve the Lord with fear. I believe it's verse 11, actually. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. So if you're serving the Lord according to the prescription that he gave, you're serving the Lord with fear. Okay? You're serving the Lord with fear. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. So when you fear the Lord, you're going to have the rejoicing of the Lord. And you're going to do it with trembling. In other words, you're always going to be aware of the severity of God. Romans 11, the the chapter right before the one we're reading in right now, just a few verses before, actually tells us that we are, in verse 22 of Romans 11, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. You see, it takes scriptural truth to instill in us the fear of the Lord and the severity of God. God judged his own people. This is referring to how in the Old Testament, God severely judged his own people who did not continue to walk with him, just like he did with Lot's wife in Genesis 19, and how Jesus, who's unchanging, brings it back up in the Gospels and says, remember Lot's wife. Yes. Why did Jesus say, remember Lot's wife? Because she is an eternal memorial of how God will judge those who turn back after being delivered and while being delivered. You see, we have been delivered, but we are being delivered as we walk with the Lord. Listen to 2 Corinthians 1.10 who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver presently in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Now the Calvinist will read this and he'll Calvinize it, if you will. He'll poison it with the diabolical poisons of the doctrines of Calvin. He will look at this and say, who delivered us? So that's it. We're already spoken for because Jesus died and paid the full price on the cross. But you see, that theology purposely ignores the personal response of the individual, not only to initially, but to ongoingly and to perpetually appropriate that gift of God. God has requirements and conditions. If he didn't, everybody in the world would be saved. There would be no scripture and language in the Bible that talked about falling away, departing from the faith. You had to be in the faith to depart from it. You couldn't fall away from it unless you were first in it. That's ridiculous. I tell you, I never get more, you know, disgusted than talking to Calvin. I hit them and run now. I give them the truth, give them a couple of chances to repent. When they don't, I walk away. They're rejecting Christ, not me. When you can reject Christ's words that are right in your face and still not
not believe them and, and cling to your tradition, you're not saved. You're just like the Pharisees. Mark 7, 6 through 9. They, knowing full well, they set aside the commandment of God to keep their own traditions. They worship God with their lips and their tongue, but their heart is far from him. If that's not a lost person, what is? So Paul writes here in 2 Corinthians 1, 10, who delivered us, notice the word delivered, past tense, from so great a death, and doth deliver, present, to whom we trust that he will yet deliver, future. We trust him that he is going to deliver because we're in full stride of abiding in Christ. Jesus says in John 15 that if you abide in me, then you will remain in me. If you don't, you will be cast forth as a branch and withered. So we're back into Romans 12, rejoicing. We just read verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, rejoice, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. I love that. That goes along with pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, continuing instant in prayer. I want you to grasp that, beloved, because that's the key to our walk with the Lord is remaining in fellowship, denying ourselves. Taking about cross and following Christ, who stayed in intimate, unbroken fellowship with his Father while on earth. And that's what he wants us to do, to continue instant in prayer. With every step we take every day, that we develop a fervent prayer life, a life of prayer. It's one thing to have a prayer life. It's another thing to have a life of prayer. Now, this all begins by following Jesus, you know, in the practical sense, it all begins with following Jesus in rising up early and being in a solitary place or a place uninhabited to pray, to seek the face of the Lord, putting him first in your day. Mark one thirty-five. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 6, he says, but thou, when thou prayest, Enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. That's a beautiful direction and instruction of the Lord. Matthew 6, 6. Go into your prayer closet and shut everybody else out. Shut the door and seek the Father in private, not to be seen of men. Verse 12, Romans 12. Rejoicing in hope. See, we have the hope of everlasting life with Christ, and we will have that everlasting life. We have assurance of salvation as long as we're abiding in him. That's a condition. Patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you. Live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Beloved, I want to encourage you to memorize this verse. Verse, the last verse in Romans 12. Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. It's amazing how many times this verse will be quickened in your mind and spirit when you're tempted to do things with an individual or people. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, you be the peer pressure. Don't be under the peer pressure. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. The Bible talks about us 
pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, etc. This is a fervent, aggressive, steady, diligent, moving forward, seeking the Lord. This is not an at ease in Zion posture. If you're going to make it, you're going to have to be an overcomer. You're going to have to overcome evil with good by the power of the living God inside of you, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling as we read in Philippians 2. And as you do, God is working in you, both the will and the do of His good pleasure, and do all things without murmurings and disputings. Verse 15, Philippians 2, that ye might be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, not only in speech, but in life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Paul is speaking, as he did many times, of the true jeopardy of him losing the reward by these people not continuing to the end. God bless you, my friend. I'm glad we had this time together, and I I just pray that God would make each of us fervent in spirit, rejoicing in the Lord always, walking in the fear of God. And you know, when you walk in the fear of God, you're going to have the comfort of the Holy Ghost, according to Acts 9.31. They walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Now, isn't that wonderful? Some people are trying to be comforted, but they're not fearing God. They'll never be comforted outside of the fear of the Lord. To be in the comfort of the Lord, who is the God of all comfort, the Bible says, we've got to walk in the fear of the Lord. Memorize Psalm 2, I believe it's verse 11 or 12, which says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. God bless you. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. 